0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome from Cape Town in South Africa. I'm Brigitte Limbander, your host, and with me today is Dr. Anthony Turton, who needs absolutely no introduction. Um, Dr. Turton is a world-renowned environmental advisor and scientist, and today we are talking about the Vol crisis in particular. So welcome, all our live viewers, and also welcome to those watching the show on the replay. So the Imphileni is on the Vol River, and it's home to the Rand water that takes feedstock from the river now, and it's overwhelmed by raw sewage. And there currently is a call to action on this. And so welcome to the show, Anthony.
1: Good evening to you and the listeners. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. So your your recent statement with regards to the call for action, um, you said in part the infileni is the epicenter of state failure. The most basic of that infrastructure is water reticulation into the area and the processing of waste out of the area. Can you break that down a little bit and what does that mean in real terms for us?
1: Okay, if you um, understand anything about the geography of South Africa, you'll know that the uh, what used to be known as the Vaal Triangle uh, was the epicenter of heavy primary production in South Africa. By primary production, I mean, uh, there was, uh, uh, for example, the uh, the, the old ISCO works where South Africa made its own iron and steel. Uh, there was uh, the Sassol works uh, where, where coal was made into oil uh, to beat sanctions during the years of isolation. Uh, there are other, some other specialized manufacturing uh, uh, processes there, uh, heavy engineering, rolling of steel, processing of specialized steel, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's even uh, a cable manufacturing company there, et cetera, et cetera. So th- the bottom line is that the M Fuleni, what is now called M Fuleni area, the old wall Triangle area, is really the concentration of, uh, of, of, of heavy in- heavy heavy industrial primary capacity on the entire African continent. I'm not aware of any other part of Africa that has got such a concentration of primary production uh, from from a, from an, uh, an engineering or manufacturing perspective. So that's the, that's the background. Um, it it happens to be on a flat uh, floodplain. It's a floodplain on the Vile River. The Vile River is called the Val River because it's got fine fine sediment in it. Uh, fine foul means fine means means uh, means dirty or fell off, uh, or basically you know refers that's fine sediment in it. So, Rand Water is the company, uh, the, the public utility that uh, was created immediately after the Anglo-Boer War. And it was tasked with the responsibility of getting water out of the Vaal River and into the gold mining area, the Vitwadestrand the uh, 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 gold bay, uh, uh, gold fields. Um, it has now become, and I stand, stand under correction, but I believe it's the largest, if not the largest, one of the largest single bulk water suppliers anywhere in the world. In other words, nowhere in America, nowhere in Europe is there a bulk, a single bulk water supplier of the same scale and magnitude as RAND water. So it's a world-class entity, and its, uh, it, 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 its task is to provide the drinking water and the industrial process water into this heavy, heavy primary production area. And there's also another, another strange um, structural factor that we need to understand when talking about the Mfuleni area. Because gold is found on the continental watershed divide, it's not on a river, it's not on a lake, it's not on a waterfront, I've said this many times before. Because of that, you have to pump vast quantities of water uphill. And as you pump vast quantities of water uphill, firstly, energy is used in, in significant significant quantities. But more importantly, it means that your drinking water is downstream of your sewage works in all cases. So the primary responsibility of your water authorities is twofold. Firstly, they have to secure the bulk water supply from the river. They then have to process that to potable and industrial standards and pump it uphill into these municipalities that now control the economy. In the second function, which is uh, not necessarily in the same uh, legal entity, but the second broad function of the state is to take the wastewater coming out of that area, either industrial grade waste or mining waste or, 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 or human waste, sewage waste. All liquid waste has to be processed in a series of wastewater treatment works. And now, now it gets interesting because Rand Water as a bulk water supplier is a state-owned entity and to the best of my knowledge, the, it answers to the Department of Water and Sanitation. Although it was originally created by the mining companies, the various uh, directors of mining companies sat on the board originally many, many years ago. I believe that's changed now. I have, having said that, because it's a state-owned entity, we can we open that can of worms in a in, in a moment. But because it's a state-owned entity, it it, it is responsible at to to the national level your wastewater works are responsible to uh, uh, municipal level. So you are two different levels of government at work here. And this is where it gets uh, to be quite interesting because it is in the municipal uh, sphere of government or tier of government that we're having most of the problems in South Africa. Mfuleni is a dysfunctional, 100% dysfunctional municipality. When I say 100% dysfunctional, all services run by MFULENI have ground to a halt. The uh, the entity has been placed under what you would call uh, sequestration or under 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 judicial management, if you like. That's not the right word, but it's a, but it's placed under uh, a special management rule that has that has uh, removed the 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 executive authority of the. Uh, Uh, of the municipal officials, they're no longer in charge of it, it's now the provincial uh, legislature and national that is responsible for managing the first because they're effectively so bankrupt that they are unable to do anything, they they, they think of it as as being in a state of liquidation. So that's the situation we have now, now um, with that as a background um, I've been part of a team that has been briefed by the by the military. Um, I was called out a while ago, uh, late last year. The military reached out to me, SADF, and they started putting together a team of specialists. And uh, they asked me if I would be interested. I said yes. I'm more than willing to uh, to serve on that team if you want me. And we went there for a full uh, about a month ago. And um, in, in that briefing, I was shocked at what I saw because here they showed us. The, the number of, uh, of water uh, uh, sewage works, there are three uh, major water sewage works in the area. But because the area is so flat, you cannot have a gravity fed sewage system feeding sewage over over long distances in that particular terrain. So you have to have a series of pump stations. And the information that I have is that there are over 40 pump stations that have ceased to function. And when I say ceased to function, they, 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 these pumps are, 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 are have ground to a halt on physical material that should never be put down the sewer in the first place. We're talking about, about condoms. I'd, I've never seen a, such a large number of condoms in my life, but, but vast quantities of condoms, vast quantities of baby nappies, vast quantities of wet wipes, vast quantities of plastic, plastic bottles. These pipes are completely plugged up from one end to the other hundreds of kilometers of pipe and in fact i've heard subsequently that it's over a thousand kilometers of pipe that is completely blocked up in some places the pipes have collapsed they've completely collapsed so the question is can you mine those pipes up can you physically put a machine in there to clean those pipes out yes or no i don't know or do you have to dig the pipes out the ground and re- relay the, uh, the the pipes both of these endeavors of very sophisticated complex endeavors both of them require a level of expertise that the municipality doesn't have it is in, it is under, under judicial management for want of a better word it is unable to manage its own affairs so but it can't do it so the question is who's going to fix it up the military was mobilized to do that task the military doesn't have the technical capacity as soldiers they, their, their job is not to fix broken suit jumps and Happens when the sewage pump sees up, the pump station floods with raw sewage, and you now get this pump station that's flooded, unable to pump. You're unable to get in there because it's now underwater. It's got raw, untreated sewage that now flows out of the pump, uh, the pump station to the surface, and it finds its way through the streets uh, to the mine Gotta go anyway. Uh, just take a random drive around there and on every single street corner that you come to you will find uh, the, the nearest manhole is overflowing and it's overflowing constantly, in some cases through a shopping center, in some cases through people's houses. Uh, it just there's, there's, there's simply overflowing sewage everywhere. But when I say that it's yeah. failed, but sorry, when I say that, it's failed, it's not only sewage that has not been collected, it's the waste waste uh, solid waste that's not being collected so there are piles of garbage that are a meter and a half high all over the city all over the all over the the, 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 the industrial hotland of, of the continent piles of garbage waste height sometimes shoulder height These uh, these piles of garbage are being fed every day by people because the, the garbage is not being collected has not been collected for, for 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 a considerable period of time so there's there's fresh food that's been thrown in So it's seething with maggots. There are flies. There are rats that have got the arrogance of a gangster. So these these arrogant rats walk around, they look you in the eye, they're not afraid of a human being, and they carry on. So so this is the state of play we have in in what used to be the industrial heartland. So I fail to uh, see that this is anything but a totally failed state endeavor. I cannot see anything functional out of that place. The roads are filled with potholes. There's no functional decision making. The the, the, the budget is not managed and has been mismanaged. Uh, there's uh, there's widespread nepotism, widespread corruption. Uh, there's 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 a number of court cases coming to the fore now where vast quantities we're talking about about tens of millions uh, of rand have been uh, have been paid for services that have never been received, invoices that have been given without work having ever been done. So we're talking about the highest level of corruption you can imagine that's what the infolini situation is like now I cannot underemphasize how, how serious that situation is so it's against that background that uh, because I've been interested in studying state failure and how state failure happens how does a state fail? what happens is there one big bang does something fall down or there are lots of little dominoes do the dominoes fall down do some stand up and some fall down how how does this actually work and it turns out that in the case of south africa it's your municipal level about at least 40 percent of our municipalities are in this level of dysfunction some people refer to maybe up to as many as 60 percent of our municipalities are distressed. And because our wastewater in all cases is managed by municipalities, it, the first thing that goes when your municipality is distressed is your wastewater treatment function. That's the first thing that happens. So, in my view, understanding state failure now, the domino, the first domino to fall is your sewage work stops working. And once your sewage work stops working, now you don't have the expertise, you don't you don't even have the technical ability to recognize that there's a problem and you lack the ability to say we now have to do something about this. And then you go into budgetary constraints and the and the and the the, the uh, limitations posed by the Public Financial Management Act where you now have to do certain things in terms of tendering and you can't tender for this but you can tender for that and there's a this time period for that and this tender can only be open for that period of time and that system now is unable to respond adequately to the seriousness of the, of the situation on it. And, and it is in that context that private citizens now start taking control. And in this case, there's a thing called ERPA, the Infolenia Rate Pays Association. They have decided to to create an entity to take control of the situation. And they have now put out a call to the presidency, to the president himself, to recognize the crisis and to and to, to declare a, 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 a state of emergency or to, or to do or to declare, declare a disaster in that area. So, what you referred to at the start of, this, uh, of the conversation was my response to the ERPA's call for the president to declare state emergency. So, yeah, it's a long, long answer for a very, very short question, but uh, but one, uh, the, the, the listeners need to understand the the, the complexity and the depth and, and and breadth of this problem that we're dealing with in InfoLeddy.
0: Anthony, thanks for that explanation. It's, it sure, surely paints a very grim uh, picture for us. Now, if the surge system is failing to the extent that you are saying, is that complete total failure? And, and if we're on our way to total failure, what will be the, the next result of the domino if, if the system completely packs up? Because now you've already said that there doesn't seem to be, we don't have the competency Um, to fix this, the army doesn't have the competency. So if the system completely fails, which it seems like it's on that collision course, what next?
1: You see, I would decide uh, it depends how you define system failure. So I would say just to work on some sort of technical definition of failure, I would say that the primary responsibility of any government is to deliver services to its people. and, and, And this is based on a contract. And that's called a social contract, and the social contract—the literature is filled with this stuff. Okay, but the social contract is quite simple. I, the citizen, recognise the state, and I recognise that the state has the authority to levy taxes from me. So I am responsible as a citizen to pay taxes to the state. But the state is now responsible, uh, and, and in fact, is 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 legally bound in terms of the social contract to provide primary services to me. So the primary service is security, a service for example, postal services, Uh, the roads must work, Uh, transport, health care, water supply, sanitation, electricity. These are basic services that the state must provide and and, and the foundation of your social contract is that I recognize the state uh, as having that responsibility, therefore I give the state the, the authority to levy taxes and I undertake to pay those taxes. So once those services are no longer being provided, the state ceases to exist in a de facto sense of the word. So the, 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 the raison d'etre of that state is no longer there. But now the state is still levying taxes, but it's not delivering services. So in the meantime, now what? Let me, if we if we look at the domino effect, what happens next? Now? So the first thing that happens is that uh capital is driven out of that area why would anybody invest into an area where there is no primary uh, services being provided on a reliable basis so where the roads are so broken that you can't get a vehicle where your electricity power station there are substations in infolady almost every week is another substation that, that burnt if you watch just just how often that is big 88,000 volts, 88 kV substations blowing up on a regular basis in spectacular balls of fire. Why is that happening? Is that sabotage? Is it? Is it? Is it negligence? Is it just the failure to Dubai to, 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 to uh, do basic maintenance? Without electricity in this place that I've described to you now as the epicenter of heavy engineering in in Africa. These people make petrol. These people make steel. These people make copper cables. These people make things that become other things. If they haven't got electricity to turn their mills turn their machines, you know, for people to pop into work in the morning, how can that economy function? It cannot function, it cannot function. So, so the bottom line is that your state failure happens when your local authority is unable to deliver these key basic services. Now, that starts happening, your economy starts tanking. Uh, people start disinvesting. One need only look at the property prices in in, 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 in the InfoLenny right now. Um, just you should, I, I urge you to get a property expert on your show to start talking about property values. You find a situation where people are unable to sell their property because which person in their right mind is now going to go and buy a beautiful house overlooking a, what used to be a beautiful river in a prime piece of real estate where you've raw sewage flowing down the river and you've raw sewage flowing through the house maybe or certainly in your backyard. What are you going to do about it? So you have a situation now where it's quite conceivable that people have bonds on their houses, bonds on their properties, where the value of the bond exceeds the real value of the land. But you're now starting to get into a situation where you've got severe economic collapse, absolute economic collapse in the area. So uh, I'm a very simple person. When I drive through there, I just look at the number of cars in the parking lot of the factory on a Saturday afternoon. Are there cars in the parking lot on a Saturday afternoon? Yes or no. And lately you see there are no cars in the parking lot. Why? Because of unemployment. People have been laid off work. Uh, uh, ten years ago you could drive there and that, was, that, that parking lot was full of people working overtime because the economy was going. So but these are the basic indicators. So this is what happens when your state state fails. But now you start getting another element coming in. And this is what concerns me very, very deeply about the infoledity crisis now. Because... Because uh, we have a situation of state capture in South Africa. And with that situation of state capture, it's all about revenues in the state that are now being being hijacked and are being are being uh, uh, pushed, pushed over to other to other entities. So it's about control over 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 the resources. So let me just just expand on this a little bit, uh, because it's important, once again, that the listener must understand what I'm saying. I do a lot of work for uh, advising investors, high, high net worth individuals. And a a short while ago, I had the privilege of having lunch with the CEO of a major bank and we were having lunch and uh, we were just talking about things in general. And I told him that I like simple, I like simple, um, simple, simple, factual things that I can understand. If you do this, then that happens. That's what I like in my life. I said that the politics of South Africa right now are quite simple. Uh, We've got 55 million people, 55 million citizens plus minus, we've got 5 million plus minus taxpayers, and we've got less than 1 million card carrying cadres. So the the politics are about the less than 1 million people gaining access to the revenues from the 5 million at the expense of the 55. I said to him, that's what I understand the politics of Africa to be less than a million people uh, 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 capturing the resources, the resource flows from the five million taxpayers at the expense of the 55. And he said to me, he thinks I'm, I'm not entirely right. So I said, what do you mean I'm not entirely right? He said, the mistake in my thesis is that they're not five million taxpayers. He said, while there, while there might be a large number of people that pay VAT, the burden of tax. He gave me a number, which shocked me. He said that something like 80% of your tax, other than that, other than the general tax that everybody pays, that, 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 um, something like 80% of the tax burden falls onto a hundred thousand people. So the, the, wow. the pool of people that are paying the burden of taxes, the large burden of taxes simply means that this is unsustainable. It's simply unsustainable. So now we get back to the IRPA thing. We get back now to the state capture thing. Are we, are we as citizens going to allow this to happen? Uh, Are we as citizens going to stop, uh, draw a line in the sand and say, up to here, no further. Um, Are we, you know, what what can a reasonable citizen do? What can we actually do about this? Uh, uh, Should we just be alarmed and angry or should we actually apply our minds and try and do something constructive about this? that's where we are. What concerns me the most though, is that with the state capture mindset that we have we now have a situation where a billion rand is being allocated, one billion, people talk here in big numbers, one billion rand is being allocated to, to entities to fix the Wild River but none of those entities have the core skills to fix the wild River so let's, let's unpack who those two entities are one entity is the SANDF that's talking of a budget in the order of seven to eight hundred million rand. And for that budget, what are they doing? They're buying some big trucks and heavy machinery, none of which are actually designed to fix up broken sewage works. But they 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 on they a capital acquisition uh, expedition. But more importantly, they are employing unemployed people to guard some stations. So they're creating jobs. Unemployed people, that's an important thing to do as well. Then, where's the technical expertise coming from? The technical expertise is coming from allegedly called ARVA, Eastland Water Water Care Company. But Eastland Water Care Company is a a wholly owned company, a water services company in Ikurilene. Uh, what does Ek how can Ek have its water, water company now going to provide services in another municipality when that same Erwat, the same Eastland Water Company, uh, is a, it's a known fact, is a major polluter on the Henops River and has been since Kara Aspal was Minister of Water. I used to speak to Kara Aspal when he was Minister and he was angry about Erwat, Eastland Water, polluting the Henops River. And if you speak to the people today that are trying to fix up the Hennops River, your persistent source of pollution comes from Australian water care companies. So now the company that is is unable to get its own act together in its own backyard is now charging 340 million rand of taxpayers money just to become an advisor, just to tell people what, what should be done but not actually doing it. So between the SANDF and ADWANT, you've got over a billion rand being allocated, 1 billion rand being allocated. And there's not a snowball's hope in hell that 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 that, that effort will eventually fix up the seize the pumps that I'm talking about, will, 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 will mind that they one over 1000 kilometres of, of blocked up sewer that I'm talking about. It's not physically possible. It's not going to happen. Now, let's look at the other side of that same coin. Here you have a private sector that's on its knees, the private sector has consulting engineers that work there. Those consulting engineers, highly competent, highly capable people, they have been starved, they've been brought to their knees. You, you look at any consulting engineering company today, There was a recent announcement made by Marion Roberts Group Five, they're laying off significant portions of their staff, because they're not getting revenues from the state for engineering jobs. But now this is that state capture at another level. So instead of putting that billion rand into the private sector where you can hold people accountable, where you can actually you can expect to find the technical capacity to fix the pumps up and to actually relay a pipe if you have to. But that's not happening. And because that's not happening now, those companies are failing. Because those companies are failing, we're losing our technical capacity as a nation. But because those companies are failing, they're laying off technically competent people. So they are entering the, the, the unemployment queue, but because of that, they're not paying taxes because their profits are so down. Therefore, the, the government is not getting taxes, so it cannot, it cannot pay. so you've got this vicious spiral now, and this is where that state failure thing starts really happening in an aggressive way. So I think it's very important that we as a as a nation of people, of, of, of sensible people, that we come together now and we start understanding exactly what's going on, and we've got to start calling it. Like it is, we gotta stop calling spade a spade. You know me, I call a spade a spade. Okay. Now tonight I've told you the way the way the way I see it, okay. And people are welcome to disagree with me, but that's the way that I see it because that's to me is the most honest assessment that I'm capable of. So this is where we are now. We have a situation where there are two initiatives playing out now. The one initiative is the is the what I would call the final phase of capture where this billion Rand is now being channeled through these different, uh, uh, the SAMDF and the, uh, and and and, and Eastern water Erwat. and what, and uh, 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 what I haven't mentioned is that in the mix now, uh, the minister of water and sanitation, Julian Quinty has announced the creation of a state owned company, a state owned water engineering company or a state owned construction company. Well, now this is evidently based in Potchef's Grove. Now, from what I can gather, it is a place where MK veterans are being employed. From what I can gather, they don't have the technical core skills needed to do what I've spoken about about, about mining these pipes out and fixing up the pipes in Enfield. But they are getting the contracts. They are getting the work. So it's all good and well for the developmental state to say we're going to employ unemployed people. Wonderful. I've got no, I've got no problem with that. But while we're doing that, the rest is falling down. And then ultimately we're going to get into a, into an irreversible situation. So we have to call it the way the way we see it now. And and, and I mentioned the, the, the two games that are being played now. The first game is the state capture thing with the state-owned construction company now. Where tenders are not they're, they're not called for. Where contracts are just given. Where where money goes a a billion rand just goes from the fiscus to uh, to these entities that don't have the technical capacity. And then. On the other hand, you have this, this, this uh, uh, presidential initiative uh, where the, uh, the, the private sector is working with the presidency to try and develop a framework that can enable five percent economic growth to happen so that we can employ people, so that we can kickstart the economy, that we can get revenues back into the fiscus, we can really we can levy taxes, etc. So these two things are playing out and they are mutually exclusive can't have both it's either one or the other so in many ways I almost see this as a kind of end game it's the end game of state capture if the state capture is allowed to continue uh, as I've explained now and this billion Rand gets hijacked siphoned off to this uh, construction company uh, and Eastern Water gets all the work but doesn't do the, do it if that happens then I'm afraid we're not going to fix up the m 4 crisis and therefore, what is happening in m now is going to start cascading upstream to uh, to, to Ghaateng, the people that drink water in Ghaateng, because unfortunately, I mentioned it in the, at the start of this interview, Rand Water is the biggest single bulk water provider in the world. Secret between you and me, please don't tell anyone about the secret. It's only us that knows about the secret. They were never engineered to take sewage-contaminated water and make it potable. They were designed from the beginning to take water with mud in it, fine suspended sediment, fine mud. They do that exceptionally well, but they were never ever designed to take sewage, raw sewage, and make that potable water. For you know, they were never designed for that. So the only way—I mean—they they can technically do it if they re-engineer their processes, but that's going to cost a huge amount of money. So we need to once again open that can of worms that we can speak honestly to each other. About. This is where we are tonight. This is the, this is what's this is what's stake in the, in the background. This Empoli any call that's, that's why I think it's so important that we want to get people, ordinary people, mobilised to support this initiative. We want uh, uh, we want to stand behind the Erpa uh, uh, Erpa uh, yeah Empoli race pace association, and we want that that all of theirs to the presidency to declare an emergency. We want that to happen for them, because once the emergency has been declared, now you can start your procurement processes other than going through the normal long, long-winded tender processes. And then it gets this and then it gets that, and then this person brought in and that, that doesn't happen. And we've got, to, we've got to short track all of those things. This is too important an issue right now to fail.
0: Thank you for putting for, for putting that in a nutshell and giving us clear indication. I think
1: <laughs> I you know, none nutshell. of us are none
0: of us are, are left in any kind of doubt as to the amount of, of trouble um the infoleni municipality is in. We're back in a bit. So Anthony, tell us why does this affect us as a country as a whole and why should every citizen um, in South Africa want to support the call for um, a national emergency? Why does it, why is it not a localized, why should it not just be a localized disaster?
1: Okay, I think it's important that everybody should should, should be part of this process because Rand water, the scale and magnitude of that operation is such that it provides water to 45% of the population of the country and about 65% of the national economy. So these are two, two large segments of important things in our economy, the people and the, and the economy. Um, It's the only entity of that scale. So all the other ones, you know, your Umgeni waters and your Mlatuz waters, et cetera, they pale in insignificance compared to rainwater. Water. Um, the second thing is because your sewage systems are failing in Mpuleni or have failed in Mpuleni, the situation is now that uh, we, we we it's not impossible to start seeing. Uh, the deterioration of water quality or simply an overwhelming of your of your of your bulk water supply systems they simply overwhelmed by, by what it is that comes into them so we haven't seen that yet thank goodness Rand water still done a pretty good job at that and we must be very thankful that, and we must support that. but we must we must uh, 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 we, you know, we, we mustn't get sidetracked from that issue that this can happen very quickly and it's interesting that rainwater has kind of gone to ground. They don't talk publicly anymore. It's also interesting that, for example, we're not getting green drop and blue drop reports anymore. We haven't had for some years now. And that's what that that's opens up another conversation. About why we needed a water regulator? Let's not get sidetracked on that issue now. Important thing is that why is this important nationally? The Other thing is that if your big municipalities are unable to cope, what about the smaller municipalities? So as we as we sitting here now, there are parts of frey Dundee, KZN that have got the same the same situation. Parts of the North Coast have got exactly the same situation. Parts of the Free State they have got exactly the same situation. So what's happening in Imphaleni is really a microcosm of what's happening in the country. Now for the good news. Now we need some good news. It's time, it's time that we had a bit of a bit of a bit of a breakdown good news. The good news is that with this public private growth initiative, this PPGI initiative that we're busy with, we've managed to convince the the key decision makers that you cannot talk about economic recovery and revival in South Africa unless you really take water seriously. Water is an ultimate economic enabler, and the absence of water is a disabler. So that's what we've said. We managed to convince Those decision makers at the moment. So the water sector is now part of the PPGI. Let's hope we can cling on to that and keep it like that. But now, once we do that, what we want to do is we want to attract one trillion rand into the water sector. One trillion rand of private capital because the fiscus won't provide it, because the taxpayer, the taxpayer can't pay any more money. So they, 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 they maxed out, okay? Now, we want to get a trillion rand into the water sector to go back to the consulting engineering companies to basically create jobs to fix what is broken. We've got 824 sewage works in the country. About 60 percent of those are dysfunctional in some form or other. So what we're looking at is the creation of what we call a cookie cutter solution. And that cookie cutter solution solves a fundamental problem in the water sector at the moment. And that problem is that even if you are selected as a private sector operator, You cannot legally contract with a municipality that is bankrupt. They are unbankable. They are uninvestable. You cannot enter into a contract with that entity because the risk is just too high. So a team of very smart people have now figured out a way around this. And what they've developed is a thing called uh, called SPV, special purpose vehicles. And an SPV is a legal entity that has been created, and there are a number of SPVs for different purposes. And that SPV, think of that thing there. That, that, that's an SPV there now. It's a ring-fenced entity. The contract is between the between the private sector and the and and and, and, the, and the municipality through that SPV. The money that goes in there cannot be stolen, cannot be taken out for, for fees or for, for payments or anything of that nature. So it's correction free. That's why it's not very popular because, because it's such a robust entity. Um, what we are hoping to do is with the spvs we are hoping to find a couple of critical uh, nationally significant sewage works one of them would be in they want a sewage 120 megalitres a day plant eh? 120 million liters a day of raw sewage going into the Val river because that single plant is is broken you know? now this is where it comes into conflict now with the with that billion rand that's been hived off uh, that billion rand is going to, uh, to Eastern Water and to the SINDF to allegedly fix that up. But if, if that happens, then you can't bring this SPV in because the SPV then will be unable to raise the capital that you need. When you're talking about an SPV, so what makes that thing bankable is an offtake agreement. So there's an agreement between, between the, uh, the, the contracting parties and uh, an entity that needs that water. And that agreement is a 30-year contract, uh, and, and that's what makes this thing financially viable. So in the context of of, of the, of the uh, Seba King Works, there is an offtake agreement with industrial users, and it's therefore for the required period of time. So that particular SPV can fly. It is it is bankable, as we sit here now. But we've got to overcome this corruption story, we've got to overcome that, those, those stumbling blocks. Um, but that's where we are. If, you know, if we can solve it in that, in, the, in 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 infoleni, which is it's an entirely soluble problem, if we can solve it there. Then we can start rolling it out to other parts of the country in this cookie cutter rapid rollout kind of model. And that's where we're working with the presidency on that on that idea to try and. And establish the legal framework. and Trying to try and get these SPVs better down, so that they now become bankable in their own right. Then start populating those SPVs with with, with uh, service providers, engineers, construction people, you know, the suppliers, whatever, whatever has to go into that SPV to fix that thing up, and then get the contracts going and get that sorted out. So this is where we are, and that in fact is a good news story because if we get that right, we can we can hopefully attract a trillion rand into the economy. A trillion rand with a multiplier of, of at least three uh, so that's three trillion rand that's going to ultimately flow through the economy in terms of, of of that money being recirculated back to back to other suppliers etc um, it's not a trivial amount of money and i it just sort of slips off my tongue you says such a big amount of money it's not a trivial sum of money at all and if we get that right and we can get that right then we are actually talking about a very very happy outcome because we can now uh, start moving to that uh, that that recycling economy where we recover, we reuse water, we desalinate water where appropriate. Uh, we basically apply the correct technology for the correct problem in the correct setting at the correct price. And you know, and all of that is technically possible, as we sit here now, if we can just overcome this uh, the, these these, uh, these bottlenecks or these constraints
0: wow thank you so much um i think you know if you've left us in no doubt with one what the crisis exactly is why we should all get involved and um and also what the outlook is and possible solutions so thank you very much for that and i want to remind everyone that in the um in the description of this broadcast the link is available there for you i think currently there's probably i think about 1600 people have signed the petition um and the goal right now is to get to 2000 first, and obviously from there to grow but i think you've outlined very well why this is such an important um matter and why it needs to be declared a national disaster um before we end any closing words anthony
1: yes so, okay i just want to say one or two things if i can please so firstly i'm, I'm thrilled that, that that's the number because i haven't checked up um i know that erpa was aiming at 200 signatures so if we've exceeded a thousand that's wonderful let's get to two thousand let's get to ten thousand let's you know let's let's make the serious but the other thing that's important is that while Earth is doing a very good job in him but their hands are tied behind their back there's an uh, exactly the same thing happening on the henops river an excellent amount of work being done uh, an entity called save save the henops river they, they 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 do amazing work but they've been they've been uh, stonewalled by eastern water and what that is not fixing up their, 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 their leaks upstream okay so, so we need to link those things together. But there are also other initiatives in other parts of the country. And my closing statement is, what we need to do now is stop being partisan about this. This is not a black-white issue. This is not an ANCDA issue. This is an issue that should be able to unite all South Africans. We are all equally affected. It's an equal opportunity problem, this thing, okay? So. My view is that we need to start harnessing the anger and the rage of the of, of people out there, and we need to start channeling that into what I'm calling an unstoppable movement of positive change. And and I want to say one or two things about that because. Each of these things are subcategories of that big movement for positive change, because the problem in the in the water sector is the same problem in the energy sector. It's the same problem for, for potholes in roads. It's all about broken governance and lack of oversight and lack of accountability and responsibility. So if we get that right, we can start having that domino effect the other way. Instead of state failure, we can now start rebuilding the state. And we all citizens of the state, we all have a vested interest in that. So I'm going to say one one more thing about this unstoppable movement of positive change. The lessons that we've learned from this, from the struggle in South Africa, the historic struggle, the armed struggle, was that when the the state became uh, oppressive in the 1970s and 80s, they oppressed the the, the activists that were rising up against the then apartheid state, an interesting thing happened. I think uh, 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 an entity that was decentralized came to the fore. And in that decentralized, it's called the UDF, United Democratic Front, a united democratic front of entities, each in their own right, all working to a common objective, but each individual, each each funding their own thing, each doing their own thing. And what was significant about that was if, if and when the state came back to retaliate, they could cut the head off one individual. Of one entity, but they could not destroy the whole entity. So this this unstoppable movement for positive change. We need to create this thing as a positive thing. It must be aspirational. It must be capable of reaching across all color divides, all class divides, all 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 economic status divides. It must be a single issue where South African public say we, the people of South Africa, believe in the constitution of this country and our primary. Primary uh, uh, expectation is that we will be given good, healthy water and, and 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 sanitation services that won't make us sick, and that and that are befitting uh, a democracy where people can go to the toilet in you know in dignity. So that's what we want to do. To that end, I'm working with a different team of people, and hopefully we're going to talk to you in the very near future about rolling this thing out. Because what we've done is we've created. Uh, 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 a kind of branding opportunity, if you like, where we can start branding this thing and inviting the ARPAs, we can start inviting the the people that are working in the Cape Town area or the people that are working in in Port Elizabeth, whatever, the people, they can all become part and parcel of this unstoppable movement of positive change, and people of them can drive their own local initiative link it up to their bigger issue. So we hope in the very near future be uh, be uh doing that we talked to some some brand specialists branding specialists now and people that, that understand how to strategize in that space so that's kind of you know hopefully this uh, uh a vision of a better future a happier vision where we can all have the right to just be happy
0: that is an awesome note to end our broadcast on this evening um anthony a huge big Thank you for your honesty and your policy of always just sharing nothing but the truth and um, I hope that you have all taken this to heart and that you will look at the, um, the comments on the stream and that you will, with all seriousness, consider um, to pledge your support for this cause. So thank you for watching, everyone, and have a good evening further. From me, Bridgette and Banda, it's goodbye for now, and thank you so much again, Anthony.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Bye, everyone.